look at Matthew 25 in just a moment. How many of you grew up playing the game hide and seek? Anybody, anybody play hide and seek? Yeah, most of us played hide and seek. Well, if you didn't, you missed out, you know, because it's kind of the time. You know, that, that game, it's, I don't know when it started, but I know it's still going. You know, every now and then, you know, we'll play it at our house or we'll go get with the cousins or whatever and we play. So, so that's a good thing. But, but you kind of know the story. What happens is uh, they kind of decide who's going to hide and then who's going to seek. And, and so whoever's going to hide, they kind of go and hide. And, and then whoever's going to seek, they kind of have to stay behind and they close their eyes. And then what do they do? They start doing what? They start counting. You know, maybe they're going to 50. And, they, you know, and, and, and depending on the game, you have to do the 1,001 or 1,002 or you may just go as fast as you can to 50. But when you get done counting, what do you always say? Ready or not, here I come, right? Ready or not, here I come. Well, it, it's not hide and seek and it's not a game. But one day, and maybe one day soon, God's going to say to his son, go get your bride. And ready or not, here he's going to come. Ready or not, at that moment, he's going to come. And then if you're not ready, it'll be too late. So ready or not, he's going to come. Or ready or not, we're going to go. But what we know is that eventually time runs out. You know, we, we play in the game. We count down to 20 or 50 or whatever it is. But eventually the time runs out and, and you've got to be ready. Well, one day our time is going to run out and we have to be ready. Now, uh, one of the things that if you read the Gospels, and we've been in the parables. We've talked about two parables the last, uh, over the last two weeks. We're going to do one more today. And by the way, we're going to begin a brand new series next week on uh, just kind of a church series on, on what, what's important to us, what we value as a church. But, but I want to talk specifically this morning about this last parable um, because what I've noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but what I notice when I read the parables and what I notice when Jesus teaches on the last days, uh, what I see is that Jesus says, you need to watch because I'm going to come. And he says, you need to watch because you don't know when I'm going to come. And then he says, you need to watch because I might come in the middle of the night. And then he says, you need to watch because you might be like they were in the days of Noah. You might be so busy doing this, this, and this. You're not right. He says, you need to watch. And over and over and over, Jesus keeps saying, hey, you need to pay attention. Hey, you need to watch. And, and it's, it's amazing as you look at some of this stuff and you think, and I know some of you think, well, you know, Pastor, you kind of talk about this a lot. And you know what? You're right. And you know why? Because Jesus kind of talked about this a lot. And you know why? Because a lot of the people that he were talking to, they didn't get it. They weren't paying attention. And, and so he's, he's, he's in this discourse, this Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and 25. And, and he's kind of been saying, and he, and he kind of says it this way, and then he says it this way, and then he's going to say it one more way. And, and we're going to look at that. And, and I just, I want you to understand, this is a sobering, sobering parable. It's a sobering story. 
And so I hope as we talk this morning that you'll listen, that we'll listen with an attentive heart. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then, when he returns, when he comes back, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let's pray. Father, what a sobering thought that when Jesus comes, the kingdom's going to be like this, this marriage, like these five or ten virgins, like these ten bridesmaids. Some are ready and some are not. And Father, I, I would just ask this morning that, that we would listen with an attentive heart. And God, I would ask this morning that you would speak with a loud voice out of your word into our life. And God, that we would so examine ourselves that we would know that we know that we're ready. And we'll be careful, Father, to honor you and give you the glory. God, may I say every word that matters. May I forget everything that's not relevant to today. And may you speak through me uh, in demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And so I just trust you, God, to speak to us. And I pray in Jesus' awesome and mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, in ancient Israel, the marriage feast was the centerpiece of the community, social activity, and, and the social character. Activities and festivities surrounded the marriage ceremony. The subsequent feast was an opportunity for many in the community, uh, I mean, to come together. Uh, I mean, this, this thing was the, I mean, this was the community celebration. I mean, I mean, think about this. We, I mean, just, just think, Friday night, it kicks off. We have high school football. And, man, it's a big deal. And everybody, I mean, that's a big deal. And we have the 4th of July parade. And, man, that's a big deal. It's kind of a big, you know, that's when people come together. And we have some of these things where people come together. Well, in that culture, the thing, when everybody got out there, and the thing, when everybody was apart, was the marriage celebration. And it's really interesting because their marriage, you know, kind of depends on the scholars you read and talk about. But, but basically, there were three parts to it. And uh, the first part was, 
was, uh, you know, I, I originally called it the arrangement, but it's probably called the engagement. Uh, the reason I call it the arrangement is usually what would happen is this dad would get together with this dad and say, hey, I got a son. And he'd say, oh, yeah, I got a daughter. And they kind of, he looks at his stuff and he looks at his stuff and say, you know, I really think it'd be good to get them together. And so what they do is they arrange this marriage. And so they, you know, rarely if ever did the, you know, was it all about he loved her and she loved him and he saw her, you know. Usually it was just an arranged deal. So I call it the arrangement. But that, that is called the engagement. And so these, they, would, they would make a commitment that they're going to be together. And so that was the engagement, the arrangement. That was the first phase. The second phase is what we would call the betrothal, I guess, or betrothal. I don't know how you pronounce that, but just you, you, you're with me, right? Uh, and so what they would do, it was kind of like a marriage ceremony. They would get the, you know, the bride-to-be would, and the groom-to-be. They'd kind of come together, be a small group, kind of like a family. It's almost like, you know, you get a, you get a little f- small family. Right? And what they would come to do is they would make commitments, and they would exchange vows. They would be betrothed to one another. And, uh, but the thing was, at that, that was kind of like our ceremony today. You know, it's kind of like there's some witnesses out there, and he says I do, and she says I will, and, you know, they do this and that, and, and they make the commitment. But instead of going on the honeymoon, the bridegroom goes home or goes back to his dad's place. And so for the next period of time, maybe a few weeks, probably a few months, maybe as much as a year, he goes and prepares a place, you know, a home. And he goes and maybe begins to, to, to go to work or begins to ply his trade. And it's, but what he does, he goes and prepares. So when he gets his bride and takes her home, he's got something to take her to, right? So, so that's kind of the, the, the deal here. And so that's kind of phase three. Now, when you get to phase three, he goes to get the bride and... And, and then he gets the bride, and then, you know, they begin to, to march and go through the city. And as they go, they just kind of pick up people. And they believe, most scholars believe that this third stage is, is what Jesus is talking about here. Because they, you know, you got the bridal attendants, and here we have the, five, the ten bridesmaids. And, you know, they're waiting for the bridegroom to come out with his wife. And when the bridegroom comes out with the bride, man, they're, they're, they're waiting. And they got their lamps. Really, actually, those are um, the better translation there. In fact, if you have the ESV, there will be a footnote. And the footnote, if you look at the bottom of the page, it will say torches. Because really, this is we, when we think of lamp, we think of it like a kerosene oil lamp. You know, you pour a little oil in and, you know, you light it up and you get all that way. That's really not what it's talking about here. The word here is like, I mean, just imagine, you remember in the, in the old movies, they have a torch, they got the, 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 the sack or whatever wrapped around the end of the pole, and they wrap it up tight, and they douse it and all light it. That's what they're talking about here. That, that's kind of the torch thing. And, and so what they would do is, is, is as they left the, the bride's home, they would begin to pick up people, and they would, you know, usually happened at night. Because there's a celebration, and they would light these torches, and they would there would be singing, and there would be dancing, and they didn't just go from here to here, man. They went from here to there to there to there to there to there. They went all over the community because it's a celebration, and then finally they wind up at the the home of the groom, and the festivities begin, and uh, they tell us that this third phase, when they get home to the to the feast to the celebration. That it could last as, as long as a week. 
I'm thankful to God. I got two daughters. I, I, I sat uh, the week, two, two weeks ago, I, I sat at uh, dinner with a couple pastors. We were having lunch. We were at a meeting in, in Dallas. And, and they both have daughters. And, and, one of them, and one of them had just married one off. And he said, Mike, I just need to tell you, man, you just need to save your money now. Just, I'm just telling you, save your money. And, uh, and so I'm thinking, man, I, I, I'm not thinking about weddings. I'm thinking about college. I forget the way, you know. And, but, but, but I know people that have, have, in fact, I met a guy last week that has six daughters. Now, if you think I'm grateful we don't have a seven-day feast, I'm, I know he is, right? So, so, they had the, so there's this big feast, and they come. And, and so eventually at the end of the feast, finally, you know, the, the best man or, or, you know, or whoever finally gets the, the groom and the bride says, okay, we're done. You go to the honeymoon or, or whatnot. So, so that's kind of the picture. Well, in the context or, or with that picture of the wedding feast as a backdrop, Jesus tells this story. And, and he says, and if you notice in verse 1, he says, Then the kingdom of heaven is going to be like this wedding feast. Now, then, is, well, what is the then? Well, look up in chapter uh, 24. We looked at this first couple weeks. If you go all the way back to 24, verse 3, it says, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so Jesus uses the balance of chapter 24 to talk about when he's going to come and what is going to be the signs. And then he talks about when he's going to come. And he says over and over, you know, kind of uh, when he's going to come. And so the whole section is about the second coming uh, of Jesus. So when we get this parable, this picture, if you will, of the coming, we, we we just need to... Just kind of before we get to the main issue, we need to look at the characters for just a moment. Now, obviously, um, there's the bridegroom, and that's a picture of Jesus. I mean, obviously, you know, that we're just, we can kind of leave it at that. I think we understand that pretty clearly. But then there's, there's ten virgins who took their five lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. And, and so it's, it's interesting. I've already talked about the lamps. Uh, they lit them. You know, they marched through the community. They went with great, you know, pomp and circumstance, drawing attention to themselves and, and, and the idea. But, but, but something else about, and I think this is significant, the fact that the bridesmaids had a lamp is kind of like having an invitation. Hey, we want you to come and be a part of the celebration. So that... So, so them having that torch was, was akin to, if you will, that's probably not a good word, but, but was akin to the idea that, hey, they had an invitation to the celebration. Now, uh, obviously, wise and foolish, we'll kind of talk about that as we go along. But what I want to do, I think there's two compelling ideas or there's, there's two compelling subjects in this text that, that really demand our attention. If we're going to get the gist of the message, if we're going to wrap our minds around what Jesus was trying to say, there are two subjects that we need to address. First of all, the first subject, if you're taking notes, just write down his return. It says the virgins went to meet the bridegroom. In other words, they went out to wait for the bridegroom. And what they were expecting to see was a bridegroom coming with his bride to whom he had been betrothed, to, to whom he had pledged himself. And so they went to meet him. The word to meet, really, really the idea is there. They went out for a meeting 
with a dignitary or, of so, or with someone of, of great importance. And so, as we consider the context, there's this sense of expectation that they're going to meet somebody great and grand. And, and when we look at chapter 24 and look at chapter 25, that context, when we look at the context of the book of Matthew, there are, I believe, three compelling ideas around this, this return of Jesus. The, the first thing that should compel us about his return is, is that it's inevitable. Jesus' return is inevitable. If Jesus was anything, he was insistent that he was coming back. He was insistent that this was going to happen. As a matter of fact, look at chapter 24. Look and uh, listen to verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Then verse 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then if you look in verse 30, then will appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory. And then in verse 39, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of of the Son of Man. And then verse 34, therefore you must also, or you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then 25, verse 19, we saw this two weeks ago. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. Friend, I want to tell you what, if Jesus was insistent about anything, he was insistent that he was coming again. Are you ready? For him to get here. Because he's going to come. He is going to come. It is inevitable. Secondly, a second thought regarding his return. Not only is it inevitable, but it is imminent. Uh, the word imminent means it is looming or it is uh, pending. It can happen right away. Uh, when I say imminent uh, return, I mean not only that it is looming, but also that, that it could happen right away. I mean, it could happen any moment. There are no, listen, uh, every generation has thought, well, Jesus is going to come. I mean, I think the disciples thought, hey, he's going to come. In fact, they thought they were, he wasn't even going to leave. And then they thought, well, he's going to come. And then Paul was like, man, he's coming. Every generation believes that he's coming. But, it, but here's some things. Let me just, just real quickly uh, give you some things that tell us why he's, he's really closer than he's ever been. Uh, first of all, Israel's return uh, to Israel. I mean, 1948 was a historic, prophetic event. No one knows, outside of biblical uh, prophecy, the world has no idea the significance that God gathered his people back into the land. Jesus talked about that. Uh, you read Isaiah, you read many of the prophets, they talk about how he's, they've been scattered. But they're coming back. And so that's a significant reason uh, that it could be imminent. Uh, Russia's rise to prominence, we saw that in the Cold War, and then they kind of lost. But you see, you just kind of see their engagement with the world, uh, you know, how, they're, how engaged and involved they are in the Middle East. Uh, number three, the revival of the Roman Empire. Daniel talked about that in chapter 2. It's talked about in Revelation 
uh, 17. Uh, this whole Brexit thing is really interesting uh, to me and how it kind of plays into to what's happening. Obviously, the rise of the occult, um, it's everywhere. We don't think about this, but you, you look at all the kids' cartoons, all the kids' movies, all the vampires, and just all the, all the stuff. There's just a, there's a, a sense of the occult. Uh, did, did y'all notice that in Alaska, there was an article this week that in Alaska, they invited a, someone to come and pray to Satan before one of the, I think it was before a council meeting. Uh, very interesting, uh, you know, that, that that's where we're headed uh, as a culture. You know, that's not over there somewhere. Well, it's up there, but it's still, you know, some of you have been there. Some of you have lived there. It's, it's part of our, our home. And, and so it's just interesting. Uh, then all the natural calamities, you know, we won't go into that, the famine, the pestilence. But, but, but what I'm saying is there's just, there's so much that's, that's biblically happened, that's prophetically uh, significant, Jesus could come tonight. There's no reason he couldn't come tonight. It, it's, it's inevitable. It's imminent. But I would say thirdly, it's... It's unpredictable. His return is, is unpredictable. Jesus continually talked about the certainty of his return, but, but also the unpredictability of his return. Now, you can know the season. In fact, if you do a careful study of, of chapter 24 of Matthew and other places, Jesus says you can know the season. You just look at the signs, like birth pangs, you know, the, fam, the wars, the rumors of war, the famines, the pestilence, the earthquake, all this stuff that I just talked about. That, that tells you the season... You can know when the season is, but he says you can't know the time. I mean, think about this. Jesus says, I'm coming. He says, I'm coming. I, I may, you better watch. I'm, I may be like a thief in the night. Nobody's going to be paying attention. I'm, when nobody's looking, when nobody's afraid, I'm coming. He, he says, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. But at the same time, he said, but you don't know when it's going to be. But you don't know when it's going to be. You're not sure when it's going to be. So think about this. His coming is inevitable, but it's unpredictable. So it stands to reason we have to be ready. You have to be ready. You can't get ready. Some of you, I think a great, someone pointed out a great illustration. Uh, some of you have lived this out. Uh, firemen are trained and equipped to fight fires. In fact, they continually, I mean, they spend their whole career, uh, I guess, Ron, your whole career, you spend developing your skill, learning more, getting ready, getting, being better prepared, better equipped. Listen, there's going to be fire. They don't know when they're going to be. They don't know when they're going to be. And so they maintain this certain level of readiness. Man, when they're awake, they're ready. When they're asleep, they're ready. They got their clothes here. They got their equipment here. Uh, when they go to lunch, they're ready. I mean, see, some of you, you've been in an eating establishment, and you look over and you see some firemen or some EMT guys, and they're there, they're, they're about to enjoy their meal, and you go, and all of a sudden, the radio goes off, and you look over, and you just see the enchiladas with the smoke coming up, because they're gone. It's just like they got raptured out of there, they just got snatched out, because they were ready, and when they get the call, they go. Well, Jesus says, listen, we need to be ready because when we get the call, there's going to be one call. And either you're going to go or you're not. So his, his return is the first subject 
but really, I think the second uh, compelling idea, and I believe really the, the sense, the gist of the text, is it, not simply his return, but our readiness. It's directly connected, you know, the return and the readiness, they go together. But again, the primary gist of this parable is readiness. Think about this. Five of the, five of the virgins were foolish, and five of the virgins were wise. And why is that? Just one thing. Just one thing. Five of them weren't ready. Did you notice the, the only difference, the only difference was the all. They were all young virgins. Probably the significance is they were just young, unmarried. They were just bridesmaids. They were all bridesmaids. They were all dressed for the wedding. They were all they, they were all ready. They all were expecting the bride. I mean, they were expecting him to come. They they all had their invitation. They all had their torch. They had all been invited. They had all you know. They were all there. They were all expecting him to come. I mean, the, listen. If you put them in a lineup, somebody said if you put them in a lineup, you couldn't pick out which one was ready and which one wasn't. Except five of them had a container of oil. And so in the event the master delayed, they would be ready. So the only difference, I mean, they looked the same. They talked the same. They acted the same. But the difference is five were ready and five were not. And so think about this. What, what is this, this all? What is, what is the picture here that Jesus is, is given to us? Well, uh, you know, obviously in the Old Testament, all and the anointing of, of oil was a reference to the Spirit of God. The one thing uh, that the wise had, the unwise didn't have, was the all, the preparedness, uh, which I believe, what Jesus, without question, the picture is that they had the real salvation, and the unwise had everything but the real salvation. They had the talk. They had the look. They had the invitation. But they didn't have the reality. They didn't have the, the spirit, if you will, the, the all, the, the, the salvation. Did you know the Bible says in Romans 8, 9, that 